Hi, and welcome to the Heart Square podcast. On today's episode, we were joined by Zoe Amar, who is the founder and director of Zoe Amar Digital. And as you will hear, she is also the co-author of the recent 2023 charity digital skills report. As the name suggests, the report delves into charities' digital skills, attitudes, and behaviours. So we are Zoe to join us today to talk through some of the findings in the report. So without further ado, we'll just get straight into the episode. Hi Zoe, thanks so much for joining myself and Rebecca on the HeartSphere podcast today. It's really great to have you join us and have a bit of a chat today. Um, as you know, we're going to be chatting um, through the recent sort of publication of the 2023 Charity Digital Skills Report, um, which will be really great. But before we kind of delve into that, um, it'd be really great if you are able to give us a bit of an introduction into yourself and kind of what you do and a bit about your organisation, if that's okay, please. Of course. And firstly, thank you so much to you, Rebecca, for having me. So I really appreciate it. Um, so just very briefly about me. So I run a digital consultancy. We support charities with developing their digital strategies and exploring big strategic questions about digital. Um, so it's my consultancy called Zoe Amma Digital. And then um, what we can be talking about today, I'm the co-author of the Charity Digital Skills Report. So I know we'll be diving into that. Um, I'm also a trustee at Charity Digital Trust. Um, and I chair the Charity Digital Code of Practice, which is a practice framework for charities and digital. So basically, if it involves charities and digital, sign me up. I'm always happy to nerd out about it. Great, thank you so much. Cool. So yeah, as I said, we're going to have a chat around the um, digital skills report. Um, so for anybody that doesn't know, I wondered if you could just give us kind of that bit of background into the report, um, kind of your aims and objectives with putting them together and kind of, yeah, how you went about doing it really. Of course, yes. So the report began in 2017. And the reason it came about was because I was at that point working with an amazing charity called the Workforce Development Trust. And they were trying to build digital capacity across the sector. And they came to me and they said, well, what do you think is missing in order to do this? And I said, well, we don't really have a sector equivalent of what I've seen in the private sector with things like, you know, Deloitte doing their digital mapping of where the sector the private sectors at every year and I think McKinsey did something like that at some point as well and um, so I said I think we need a charity equivalent of that but it needs to be free and it needs to be accessible and it needs to be something that's really relevant for charities of all sizes so we started that together back in 2017 and at the time I thought this will only last one year 10 people will probably read it including all of my family um, and <laughs> it will never be seen again um, but it proved to be really popular, which is really lovely. And it's grown year on year. And I'd say that our aims and objectives are kind of the same in that we're trying to create a, a wide conversation about where charities are apt with digital, what the barriers are, the opportunities are, but also to arm charities with the knowledge and the data and the evidence for where the sector is at with digital in terms of adoption, skills, attitudes. And what's evolved really over the last few years is that understanding and that data gathering on well, what are the funding needs and the support needs and also the wider organisational needs that charities really need to have in place in order to do this for example having a really clear um leadership and really strong vision for what you're trying to 
achieve digitally in your organisation. So the reports evolved a lot over the last years, but I think our aim of helping the sector and helping to grow confidence and skills remains the same as it ever was. Yeah, no, that's it's really interesting. And yeah, it's uh, really great because, as you say, you didn't really have anything like that for the sector before. So we're really kind of with that, filled that graph and being able to kind of yeah get that kind of assessment of the sector. Um, yeah, just kind of a bit about kind of how you you mentioned there around kind of getting that like the whole look of the sector and surveying kind of all the sectors. So kind of how do you go about, um, you know, uh, kind of sharing this report or the survey with kind of all organisations like based on kind of their size and income, for example? Yeah, of course, it's a great question because that's something we put a huge amount of time and attention into every year. So there's the sort of behind the scenes work that goes into making the report. And I do want to stress this isn't just me who works on this. I'm really lucky to have an amazing co-author, Nissa Ramsey, who came on board about three years ago, who's been absolutely transformative in how we gather the data, how we interpret the data. Uh, she runs her own consultancy practice called Think Social Tech, and she's brilliant. So I'd encourage everyone to get in touch with with her in the future. Um, and then there are uh, various amazing people on my team as well. So um, Shay, who did our inclusion consultancy, they are fantastic. And I'll say a bit more about inclusion later. I know that's something you want to talk about. And then we've got Holly, who works on our digital marketing and a whole host of really brilliant people. So the work to engage charities, it, it kind of begins around this time every year. So what we're doing is we are looking at the sector and finding out what would be good for us to gather data on. I know we're going to talk about AI later, for example, and that's obviously a key area of our focus. Well, the 2024 report we gathered is a good baseline of data in the 2023 report about that. But what will we need to find out in 2024 that's going to help charities, help them make the right decisions about digital? It's the same for other areas as, as well. So whether it's data, whether it's leadership, whether it's how charities funding and support needs are evolving. This time of year, we start to go out and talk to charities and find out what they would find most useful. What can we help them by gathering data on? And what would people like to see around the report as well in terms of maybe content and discussion and trying to get some key issues on, on the radar of the sector? And then we start to develop some questions. We do some user, quite a lot of user research actually to test the survey. And we're lucky because the survey's got a really loyal audience now, which is a real privilege. So there's often quite a lot of people who want to get involved in testing the survey. Um, and then obviously we iterate it and then we launch that um, in normally March time and then build the report and it will be out there in, in July 2024. So similar timescale to this year. But really none of that is possible without the amazing uh, engagement we get from charities uh, responding to the survey and also we know there's so many organizations out there who push it to their networks and we do a lot of stakeholder engagement and working with you know networks across the sectors so that might be CBSs or this year we had some really good engagement from smaller charities as, as well so we spend a lot of you know shoe leather really just building those relationships and encouraging people to share it with their networks and then uh, saying to them, well, actually, you're going to really help represent the voice of your, your sort of group um, by helping us gather that that data. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of work that goes into the report by, behind the scenes. But, yeah, it's all really good fun and we're lucky to be doing it. 
Cool, yeah, no, thank you for that. That's really helpful, actually, to just provide kind of a bit of background into kind of where you where you begin, because obviously there's so much you could cover, Some a lot of the challenges and a lot of upcoming things, as you say, kind of AI, I know we're going to talk about a bit later, um, that you could touch on. So, no, that's really interesting, kind of, you kind of put the feelers out, as, as you say, and just kind of see what's um, sort of going on um, in the you know in the sector generally and then kind of putting your focus there which is really good and I think really provides that value back um to the to the sector as well um yeah I know we're going to kick off with um one of your one of the key findings from um the report which was around data which I know Rebecca was going to delve a bit into there so I'll hand over to Rebecca for this bit <laughs> thanks Ali um so absolutely I mean the report Zoe it's fascinating we love the webinar that you did and the amount of insights that you provide you know actually for learnings across the you know non-profit sector as a whole is um it's really valuable and we could talk about it all day but yes we just need to focus on a few of the areas for this um so one of them is around data we talk a lot about it in heart square whether that's um you know through our articles our guides our events um, and it's definitely still a growing and continuing priority for nonprofits um, with you know, challenges around sorting out the data, collecting it, harnessing it, getting that single source of truth. So um, we're really interested to find out you know, whether those sorts of areas resonate with the findings of your report and you know, some of the key areas that you found charities are prioritising or really focusing on this year. Yeah, absolutely. And data continues to be an area of concern as much as opportunity for us in in every every report that that we do each each year so just to give you a flavor of some of the insights so it was interesting to see that in this year's report 59 percent said that they're using data and insight to improve their services operations and that was a key priority this year so actually i think that is really promising um but we can also see that charities are being held back in terms of data by some really big issues that they're facing so more than half so 54 percent facing some significant challenges with their CRM and 59% say that they are fair at collecting data and 28% say that they are poor. And I think some of that is down to skills and will also be down to capacity as well. And it was interesting what you were saying about using data to inform decisions and strategy because just over half, so 52% said they were just fair at that. So I'd love to see in next year's report charities getting more confident at that than starting to rate themselves as as good in in those areas. And I do think charities need support to do that as well. So whether that's through the work you do or whether it's to do with getting any CRM in place or just trying to grow their skills in digital. It's an area where I don't think charities can really go it alone. Yeah, absolutely. It's really interesting you mentioned about digital skills because I think it's, you know, it's underestimated actually how important they are and it's really trying to empower your staff to have the right skills in order to be able to, you know, it's manage and sort out the data on a basic level through to using those systems and being able to use that data to drive those insights and inform decision making in the way it should be. So really interested to see that, you know, actually your findings, um, it kind of, you know, it, it it does resonate with everything that we're talking about, but across that whole board of data, really, from start to how you actually use your data. Um, really interested to know sort of whether the findings this year and some of those percentages, 
do they differ a lot from previous years or are you finding that it's fairly stable across your reports and the findings each year yeah so in terms of data I mean it's not moving forward as as fast I think as one would hope especially with all the changes around AI that are coming as well which I know we're going to be talking about I mean it's it's really interesting I mean if we just take the whole leadership around data the issue around data just as one example so 29 percent of the charities we spoke to said that they want their leaders to understand the investment needed for digital transformation as well as get a better understanding of data and that was 27 percent of the charities we spoke to both of those are very very similar to what we saw in the 2022 report and also the 2021 report as well so the fact that leaders still need to develop in those areas both of which I think are very, very significant for the digital success of their organisations, is a real bellwether of how far we need to go with data and indeed with digital and tech as a sector. Absolutely, and it really goes to show why data is always high on the agenda, you know, and actually every year, we, you know, we're still talking about data and still trying to, you know, educate um, the sector and talk about best practices. So, um, yeah, really interesting to hear. And I guess my final question around data was, did the report throw up any surprises around this kind of area or were, were the findings or were the findings actually as you expected? Well, it's a good question because I think anecdotally, it's very much on a par with what we are seeing day to day I mean I expect through your work as well you're going into charities every day and you're seeing that there are some some gaps it might be that the digital team are absolutely phenomenal at data but there's a bit of a gap around how data can be used more strategically at the board table so it does really resonate with what we are seeing every day through our work I think I'm very much an optimist and I'm always hoping when we do the survey maybe maybe things are going to be much better than I, I thought there would be. And what I always remind myself of when I'm writing the report each year with NISA is that the appetite is there. You know, the appetite for change is there. Otherwise, there would be no interest in our report or anything else digital at all across the sector. We all speak to charities every day, don't we, who are keen to change. They just need the means to change. And often that's to do with the funding or to do with the skills or it's to do with their CEO or their board just getting it, having that epiphany where they realise how fundamental it is to their charity's future. So I just want to be clear that we're not blaming charities, that they're not further forward with this stuff. It's the case of charities cannot do this alone, as I was saying earlier, and they need the right funding and the support and the guidance in order to do it in a way that really matches their ambitions. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully through the work that you do and, you know, some of the work that we do as well, we're, hope, you know, we're, we're, you know, making our own steps to helping organisations, you know, make those strides as well. So, yeah, no, thank you really. You know, thank you for that, Zoe. Um, I guess on to another theme. So I'll hand over to Ellie to pick up around AI. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks for uh, yeah chatting through kind of data. There's a lot you can delve into that, and I think yeah some really good key findings there. And sort as you say, encouraging to see that the appetite is there. It's just getting those kind of missing pieces to enable um, charities to 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 achieve what they want to essentially. 
Um, but yeah, one of the other things I know we've kind of touched on a little bit and mentioned kind of already today is kind of emerging technology trends and around AI as well. And I know kind of one of the stats that I definitely pulled out um, in this report was around that 78% agree AI is relevant um, and could transform their charity. So yeah, I wondered if you could kind of talk us through some of those findings that you found um, yeah, in your in your in your report. Of course, yeah, absolutely. So just to be clear on it, we uh, approach the data gathering on this particular issue in kind of two tranches. So when we were writing the survey to um, build the report, God, it was this time a year ago, actually, um, we uh, decided that we would gather some things around emerging tech. But what we also realised as we were coming for coming towards the uh, the end of the period where the survey was open was that things have moved on so rapidly with things like GPT being launched that we wanted to gather things in a bit more detail. So we had two bites at the cherry. We were fortunate to, to do that. We gathered some information, which I'll talk about in a moment in the main survey. And then, and this alludes to the data, which you were just talking about, we ran a rapid flash poll of charities to find out where they were at right now um, with, with AI. So both of these findings were actually very complementary. So we saw massive growth in interest. So um, 66% said they're interested in best use of emerging tech, such as AI and ChatGPT. And that was compared to 15, so 15% 15 in 2022. So as you can see, there's been massive, massive growth in interest um, in, in, in that area. Uh, and then 32% were looking at the impact of automation on staff and their jobs. So it shows that charities are really taking that seriously, which is great. And that's all borne out by some of the data that you referred to earlier. So 78% said that AI is relevant to their charity. That is higher than I thought it would be, which I think is very good news because it's relevant to everyone, right? It's going to transform all of our jobs and how we work. But the big concern is that a similar number, 73%, said that they don't feel prepared to respond to the opportunities and challenges of, of AI. And some of the constraints there around things like look of time, resources and skills. And over half said they wanted to look into AI more. So 52% said that they, you know, they wanted to do that, but they were constrained by this lack of capabilities. 42% were struggling to get their colleagues to really engage with AI. So I think what's positive about this is that the majority of charities see this as really relevant to them. They see how it's going to change their charities. But there are some really significant barriers here, largely, I would think, around the fact that cost of living and other challenges have been such massive constraint on the sector this year. Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. And you say that that jump from I think it was around 15% in 2020 mm. all the way up to like 60, 70% is is really quite uh, substantial. And I guess that kind of reflects how quickly this can all evolve. And um, you know, the introduction I know of chat GBT and AI kind of through kind of everybody um kind of through a loop and kind of what the opportunities are so it's it's really as you say kind of encouraging to see you know that um you know charities as well can think that that would be kind of useful in their ways of working in terms of automation and I guess that gives them the time back do you think to kind of 
further spend their time kind of furthering their cause and actually doing what they would like to do in terms of, you know, um, to not getting stuck up in kind of the admin work, I guess. Yeah, 100%. I think if you implement these tools in the right way Mm -hmm. and you've got the sensible parameters in place around how you're going to use, you know, put the data into it and also, um, you know, do safeguarding in the right way, which I think is so important, as we both know, for digital service delivery. And you've really thought through how this is going to be an effective, impactful part of people's jobs, then yes, absolutely. I think it could make everyone a lot more productive and also help them focus on the parts of their jobs that are going to help them play to their strengths and help the charity make even more of a difference. I think if it's coming in as a bit of a stealth activity or a bit of a hobby, then people won't get nearly as much benefit from it. And what I'm seeing in some charities at the moment, and this is not the fault of people who are using it, if they're not getting the guidance from their CEO and senior leaders about what you should be using these tools for, what you shouldn't be using these tools for, and a really open forum in the organisation around learning and building a bank of shared learning and shared knowledge about how people are using these tools, the the use cases, all that good stuff and putting the right policies in place, then actually it just ends up being a nice thing to do. And people don't really end up using the tools to their full capacity. So I do think that's something to to consider. The how we use these tools is, is incredibly important and something that charity should be giving a lot of time and attention to right now yeah and I say it's it's about spending that time and having a bit of focus on kind of how you can best utilize it and how it can work with your charity and organization because I guess um you know different charities and different sizes and what they kind of offer it might be different and they and therefore use kind of these tools differently um do you kind of as this was kind of new and emerging do you think you would expect to see kind of similar things kind of next year or do you think there's a a bit to play in terms of some people might be per se you know a little bit um hesitant to kind of look to embed and focus this because something else might come sort of coming along in the future just kind of get your thoughts because we've had such a massive jump from last year do you think you would see sort of similar results next year do you expect Oh, God, predicting the future is like a fool's day, isn't it? So I think whatever I say now will probably come back to haunt me. I mean, mean, survey aside, uh, I think one thing we can be sure of is that we're going to see some very significant developments in this area over the next year. And I mean, we all know that Microsoft Copilot is is coming. It is there already. It's just it hasn't quite been fully switched on in 365 office suite and the same with google bod as well we know it's there we can all go and use it it just it hasn't been quite integrated into all the google workspace tools so i think that we're going to see a lot of changes there and with other developments in ai um so if i had to make a prediction i suspect that we're going to see yet more change next year and there will likely be more charities saying that you know, is is relevant to us. I would love to see that charities are getting more confident with it. I suspect that we will see some new 
opportunities um, as well as some some challenges as there will be. And I think the the big challenge now across the sector is that we really need funders to get up to speed with the support that charities will need in this area because these tools are only going to get more complex and more sophisticated over the next year or two and charities will need the support and the funding to adopt them otherwise it's likely that beneficiaries may look to other organizations for help yeah no that's really interesting and it sort of comes back to a similar point around data as you say there's there's gaps in support that these charities need to be able to really utilize kind of these tools and embed them for their advantage really um so yeah that's truly interesting and i just kind of a final question on kind of ai i guess and the emerging tech trends as i just wondered if you saw any sort of results differing across the size of the charity so was there was it general consensus across all of the charities regardless of their size or were there some differences did you find I'm so pleased you've asked this question because there were some differences. So 64% of large charities are currently planning, currently using or planning to use AI in their day-to-day operations compared to 44% of small charities. And what that says to me, which I do worry about, is that if you're a larger organisation, you're probably going to have a bit more resource, some more people, some more time, some more skill maybe, to play with this stuff and to give it a go and therefore to adopt it more quickly. Whereas if you're running, say, a food bank in Luton, for example, you are probably right up against it. You will have very limited time to go in and have a go with GPT or BARD or other tools. And then what that means is that larger charities will end up being able to move ahead quicker with this stuff. Um, So I'd really love to see more skill sharing between these different types of organisations. And when we move towards a point where there will be um, paid for tools on the market as well in AI, uh, that the tech companies who create them will consider some tiered pricing so that they are affordable for small charities or perhaps even free for small charities in the way that... um, Canva, for example, has a really, really good uh, non-profit program in, in the UK, meaning that it's very accessible to organisations of, of all sizes. So, yeah, I mean, that stat really did worry me because it makes me think that we are going to see this pattern of the digital haves and have-nots being perpetuated by adoption of AI across the sector. And I absolutely don't want that to happen. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of, yeah, as you say, a bit concerning because you don't want that gap between large and small organisations to, to, you know, be a big gap and we want them to have equal opportunities to be able to access these things for sure. So, yeah, um, hopefully some of those things that you say will come into effect as the tools evolve and um, the kind of technology evolves as well. And I think the charity sector are quite good at sharing as well. So hopefully that that follows through with that too and then they can share best practices and how best to use it um, for that knowledge sharing piece. So yeah, no, that's really interesting, but um, yeah, a little bit concerning in there as well. Um, but yeah, I, I learned, that's all my questions on AI, I'd be pleased to hear. So um, I know Rebecca, we wanted to touch on kind of inclusion and some of the findings you gathered on inclusion. So I'll let Rebecca kind of kick that one off there. Actually, the talk around kind of equality leads on really nicely to this kind of last section, I guess, of the podcast, if you like. Um, 
you know, because actually equality, you know, it's not just about the size of organisations. So we're really pleased to see that kind of actually in this report, there's a focus on and perhaps a refreshed or renewed approach to diversity, equality and inclusion um, and making sure that, you know, the whole of, you know, that kind of area, you know, everyone surveyed. And um, so I wondered if you could tell us a little bit more about that and kind of why the focus on diversity, equality and inclusion, you know, was so important for this year's report. Yeah, absolutely. So I think like a lot of people out there, we are really learning about how to do this. And we had made some initial forays into this, I would say, in the 2022 report, when we realised that we needed to make a much better effort at uh, hearing from um, different diverse groups across the sector so the way we approached it in 2022 and I just want to say a bit about this because I think it's it's hopefully helpful for anyone out there who's trying to do something similar with a data gathering exercise we firstly approached it quite traditionally I'd say so we use the um, DI data standard which people across the sector will probably be familiar with and then what we realized was that when we were doing that in 2022 firstly it was perhaps a little bit of a blunt instrument just for our purposes. There's nothing wrong with the standards itself. But just because because we, on average, probably get somewhere between 350 to 500 responses every year, we weren't necessarily getting, you know, hundreds of people from particular groups, which would mean that uh, we could say with, with real authority and a strong evidence base, oh, we know that this particular group needs this particular thing um so what we did this year which I know was one of the things you wanted to talk about was to refine that and actually to make some choices and we were quite nervous about going out there with this approach because we thought are we going to get some criticism for this but we brought in this amazing uh EDI consultant Shay who is and they were absolutely completely fantastic and totally transformative how we were approaching this and what we decided to do together was that just rather than gathering data about absolutely every single group, which I'd you know be interested to do in an ideal world, was to make some choices about who we focused on gathering data about. So, for example, um, communities, so led by and core purpose, other racialized communities, um, asylum seekers, refugees and migrants, people from the LGBTQ plus community. And there were some other groups as well. And the reason why we chose to focus on that group is, and there were, there, there's a blog on our website about this as well, if anyone wants to read about it, was number one, there was quite a lot of evidence out there already from existing research on the sector about how these groups we're being particularly affected by the funding challenges of the last few years. And secondly, that some of the groups we focused on, we knew were especially significant focus for funders as well. So we were hoping that that data would be relevant on two levels. And what we found actually was some really, really uh, interesting data actually. So in terms of cost of living, for example, um, challenge across the sector so 27 percent said that the cost of living crisis was the biggest challenge that their organization faces when it comes to digital 
it was affecting some of these groups more than others. So it was particularly affecting uh, black led charities. So 41 percent of them told us that the cost of living crisis was affecting them. And it was a significant challenge for higher proportions of charities with a core purpose to support asylum seekers, refugees and migrants, uh, those who are deaf, disabled and or neurodivergent and people experiencing domestic violence and abuse. So we can see that the cost of living crisis is not only hitting those groups harder than the rest of the sector, but it's also affecting their digital progress. And I get quite impassioned when I talk about this stuff. And just because I think that funders have a moral imperative to do something about this. I think that now that we have data there and we will be lobbying more funders about this over the next few months, I think the fact that we can see that these groups are having an especially challenging year at the moment, and that is affecting their digital adoption. So it could be affecting their long term sustainability as organisations as well. That is something that funders really need be, need to be owning and stepping forward and supporting those groups, because it's not only going to help those groups, it's going to help the rest of the sector as well. It's going to help the people who those organisations serve. Yeah, absolutely brilliant to hear. I think everything from how you approached, um, you know, actually doing the survey this year and which groups you survey, because again, you know, it, you could go on forever with this sort of research and it could provide so many different insights. But I think doing it the way you've done hopefully will provide a baseline for future years to come. But also, you know, it's um, great to have actually someone as passionate about this as you are, because I think that will help to drive change in the future as well. Um, and I guess you've talked a little bit about the cost of living um, crisis that we're all aware of. But just before we kind of go to the close, are there any more insights that you found particularly interesting that you wanted to highlight to our audience around kind of either stages of digital or digital services affecting equality, diversity and inclusion? Yeah, sure. So I think there's some, you know, really interesting uh, challenge, actually. So things like... Um, digital service delivery being more prominent amongst charities with a core purpose to support LGBTQ plus people. So that was 65%, people with marginalised genders, 62%. And in comparison, 46% of charities were delivering digital services. So it was really interesting. We took that finding to someone on our team who, who knows these communities particularly well, and they were saying, well, actually, this isn't a surprise, but it's really good the data to have the data to, to back that up because it shows that, I mean, these are two groups who are right in the teeth of the culture wars, aren't they? So it's perhaps no surprise that there's more digital service to be going on in those areas because it will be more accessible at a time when people are having to be less visible because of all these massive challenges that they are facing day to day. So again, this really speaks to the creativity and innovation of our sector about how it uses digital, that you can still find ways to reach people. You can still find ways to support people. And that's how we need to be approaching digital from here. It's not just how could we use digital? It's about, well, the question to ask really is how can we have more impact and better support the people we're here to serve and if digital is the means to do that then you've got to get creative and innovative about how you implement it. Perfect and I think that's a really um, really good way to actually round off that section of this podcast. 
Thank yeah, you so thanks. much for having me today. I really appreciate it. That's cool. Yeah. Just before we do kind of finish off today, we just have like one final question and just to kind of summarize and take away kind of from the report. And just to get your thoughts on, do you kind of have any key takeaways or anything you would like any listener or any reader of the report to take away from um, from the report itself? Oh, yes. So I would encourage people to use the report to start a conversation in their organisation. So look at the key findings. If you go on uh, the, the website, uh, that has like the top 10 in there. So do have a look at those and maybe just use them to begin an internal conversation about, well, are these a surprise? Do we think that we're further ahead than this or do we think we're further behind? And if so, how do we close the gap? So the report is a living, breathing thing and we really encourage people to, to use it as a way to begin that discussion internally in their charities about where are we at with digital and where could we go next? Yeah, no, that's really great. It's great to, like, I guess for them to have a bit of a benchmark to kind of assess where they are and, you know, I think as well it's that common thing of you know if you can see or know that people are in a similar situation or experience similar things you know you can reach out for support for those who have done it or you know and um, talk to your peers kind of um to kind of help each other kind of move forward and know that there are opportunities as well for for you to kind of progress and utilize digital in a way that perhaps you haven't done before but yeah I think that yeah unfortunately brings us to kind of a bit of a close for um the podcast today thank you so much for um spending a bit of time with myself and Rebecca to just chat through some of those key findings I know there's loads more in that report that we could have delved into but um yeah we're just picking up um, a few key highlights there and of course we'll kind of link out the report and from our kind of uh, website and things like that as well. So if anybody's listening, they can take it away and have a look for themselves. But yeah, thank you so much. Um, yeah, again, um, it was really great to kind of uh, chat to you and get a bit more detail on some of that as well. So thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Really enjoyed it. So we really hope you enjoyed that episode with Zoe today. It was really great to sit down and chat to Zoe in a bit more detail about how exactly they put the report together, as well as some of those key findings in this year's report. If you would like to find out more about the report, as well as the, download the full report, we will leave a link where you can do so below. Well, that brings us to the end of today's episode. And, on, and as always, if you did like the episode, do be sure to leave us a review and even better still, subscribe so you don't miss our latest episodes. Don't forget, as always, you can follow us on LinkedIn by searching Heartsware, where you'll find loads more content on leadership, digital, culture and capability. We look forward to seeing you on another episode.